Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, I was in San Francisco last night and I could have swore I saw you roaming the streets as part of SantaCon. Is that true? It could be. Could be, dude. Tell the truth, dude. Tell the truth to the listeners. Santa does not reveal his identity, dude. I saw all kinds of different Santas last night as I wandered around San Francisco. I was there to see a show. I was not there as part of the ho-ho festivities, but there were um, there were fat Santas. Yeah. There was like a, a real, like legit Santa, like a guy with a real beard. With a real beard. It was sort of like it was like his episode of The Bachelor. I think he I think he felt like he was <laughs> gonna be the the king of the hill that He's night. Be chosen. And then wandering out of a bar, we saw, you know, kinda I guess we say, you know, sexy Santa walking out. Right. She wanders out, she starts walking towards us, and then she just Lost her eggnog, dude. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere on the sidewalk. It was fairly disturbing. But uh, Merry Christmas uh, to, to all those Santas yesterday. And what a bizarre, bizarre day So in the a, city. An intoxicated and stomach upset Santa you also saw. I did. Yeah. yeah. It, it, oddly enough, it, it, that came right about after Brent Burns left Zach Parisi alone in front of the net. <laughs> Is that when that happened? Yeah, it was around 9.45. Yeah. <laughs> 9.30. <laughs> That's how I felt, at least, uh, upon watching the game later. Uh, not good. No. Very bizarre. Sharks have lost. <laughs> Very bizarre moment. A lot of games in a row now. Dude, six. Six games in a row. Seven of eight. They're four and nine at home. And I just read, and I also read that they're, they've lost 20 of their last 29 home games. Yeah, it's depressing. Were you at the game last night? I was not. I was unable to make that one, but uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't go. Because I might be more depressed than I already am about the Sharks, dude. They're, the losing continues, and there's no end in sight. Yeah, they've shuffled the lines, dude. They've The revolving door on the fourth line continues. Ryan Carpenter makes his NHL debut. And, you know, I this kind of stuff, it just, it just makes me laugh. Because they bring this kid up. Right, he leads the Barracuda in scoring. Mm-hmm. Here he is. We're going to try a new person. He's been playing really well with the Barracuda. Um, Ryan, you're going to play seven minutes with Mike Brown. Seven minutes. Yeah. Like, if you're playing him seven minutes, he obviously shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, in and those seven minutes, Pete DeBoer must have been so thoroughly disgusted that he didn't uh, want to play him uh, anymore. And like that. That's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, I sort of feel like we're, I know they're trying to win games, right? But that they still don't have. Allegedly. The, well, they. Well, I think they are. Just, I think they are. I mean, I, I think that their intention is to make the playoffs, dude. They're, they're not operating with a, uh, you know, we're going to get a high pick kind of philosophy. Certainly we not. We don't know if that's the right philosophy, dude. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But um, 
to, to bring this kid up and, and not play him at all, not even really give him a chance, you know, and, and just kind of keep the same old thing going, you know, same old guys out there for the majority of the time, you know, and nothing, nothing's happening offensively. Nothing. Yeah. It's just, that's that, I guess that's really the, the biggest. Yeah. Darcy Kemper's first win of the year as a starter last night, Great. you know, I mean, Gladly. it it's that kind of stuff. It just makes you makes you feel like uh, Santa in the street with her eggnog. <laughs> it's just it's upsetting, and it wasn't from a lack of chances, right? As we're gonna just jump right in and talk about the wild game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't from a lack of chances. I mean, th- especially in the first like half of the game, like they had the majority of the chances, right? Right, and they just couldn't. Well, dude, they were on a bit of a slide before they ripped off six in a row. I mean, could this be one of those things where they see the signs of playing well and then all of a sudden things sort of turn around? I look at their upcoming road trip and I go, absolutely not. Yeah. I and mean, I feel like they're yeah. marching to their own demise. They're going to Montreal. They're going to Toronto, which, you know, that that's a winnable game. Ottawa, that's a tough game, especially back-to-back with Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's a loss. Chicago, we know what's going to happen there. And then they finish it up in L.A. right before yeah, Christmas. Right before Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So that's a brutal road trip, dude. And and who knows? We None of us would have expected them to rattle off six in a row. But if you look at the teams they were playing on that road trip versus the teams they were playing on this road trip, I think it's a little bit different. You know, oh, yeah. I, I think that the competition is, is, is much stiffer this time around and – you don't really see any sort of spark that they're going to come out of it. Surely based on the, the teams that they've lost to, I mean, just going and losing at Calgary, at Edmonton, oh, come on. Yeah. And giving up four goals, giving up four goals to them. To both teams. Yeah. I mean, they've given up four goals in four of the last six games. Mm-hmm. Is, so is this a problem with Jones then? Is, is the finger pointed at Jones? Well, I mean, I think he bears some of the blame, but I think also the finger is pointed at Doug Wilson and the organization's complete lack of defensive depth. Like, mm-hmm. they just don't have it. So when Vlasic was out, I mean, they were like one in seven without Vlasic or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or without their one of their top four guys. When Martin was out, they were bad. When Vlasic was out, they were bad. You know? Braun was out. Braun was out, they were bad. Like, they, they can't absorb... You know, so it goes back to the Dylan contract. I mean, maybe that was really a very bad signing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because when we sort of like, oh, well, Brendan Dillon, he, he, we like him as a five. But when you have to move him up, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. Or is it that then the five and six are so bad that you're having to play your top four guys who already has a questionable defensive person in there in Brent Burns, who's second worst in the NHL and plus minus. Yeah, we should talk about that because that's that's one thing I'd I'd like to try and understand. Is this something that is something that we should swallow because he's such an offensive threat, or is this something that plays in to that idea that I know a lot of people still have, which is somehow Burns is going to be better as a forward? Does this play into the hands of those proponents that state that Burns should be pushed back? To forward, and then he can flourish with Jumbo, and he can become a, a wrecking ball again. Are are you at all persuaded by this argument, dude? Does this does this help at all? 
I mean, he's got 23 points, but he's minus 15. <laughs> I I would nine times out of ten say, no, it doesn't influence me. But the image of him inexplicably leaving Zach Parisi in front of the net last night mm-hmm. when Paul Martin was already, you know, out Occupied. of position. Yeah. In an appropriate way. Like, you know, that kind of stuff just makes you go, ooh, man. Like, that's that's hard to stomach. In a game that, you know, they weren't playing bad. Like, they were... It was it was a 0-0 zero, zero game. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that, that's a game... Like, you don't hang that game on Martin Jones last night. Mm-hmm. Like he played well. Right. You know, there was an empty netter on the second goal. And that first goal, he had no chance. I mean, he's, he's alone with Zach Parise at the front of the net. Right. Like, that's... That's brutal. So I can't, don't think you can hang that one on him. And then, and then the other ones, like, uh, he's Martin Jones' stats, he's middle of the pack. Like, he's average, basically. So given this lack of defensive depth, does that mean he's actually doing fairly well? I think we really have to go back through and analyze the games, you know, one by one to see, you know, where the fault lies. But... I think he's low on my list of concerns. Right. I mean, I'm not thrilled with him right now, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's the problem. Well, after losing six, who are you thrilled with? <laughs> I'm not thrilled. I mean, I am, I'm not thrilled with the coaching staff. I'm not thrilled with our general manager who, you know, the, the organizational depth is completely exposed right now, especially on the blue line. They've really screwed that up. You know, they've drafted so poorly on the blue line with Petrecki, Doherty. Like, they've been unable to turn... And now Mueller? Can we put that? Well, I think it's too soon to put that on Mueller. But I, I think that there's been some interesting stuff written by Kevin Kurz, I think, saying that we're seeing Barkley Goudreau flourish in the AHL. Right. Like, him and Carpenter and, and I think, um, it's uh, Emmanuelson were and Goudreau was like player of the week or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he needs to play a hundred 150 HL games like he's not ready to be an HL player and I think Mueller deserves that as well and so does Goldobin instead of forcing him to come up like every week Mirko right. Mueller's back to play like 10 minutes. Right. And then he's back. And it's not like he's going anywhere, but um, I don't know how fair that is to his development, dude. Right. I think it's it's a good point. And, and the question is, is this uh, latest foray experiment bringing in Ward and Martin, was this just a fool's errand? The Sharks are not in a position to really compete for anything serious. And this is just a stopgap and, and Doug Wilson trying to save his job. I I wouldn't... I don't know if I'm necessarily that cynical. I think he honestly believed it would work, but it hasn't worked. Did, I think he did believe it would work. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, his, he gambled his job by trading that first round pick. Yeah. That's where the gamble is. Like, Sharks don't make the playoffs and you gave up your first round pick for a goalie who couldn't get you to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're fired. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. you're fired. Yeah. Like, I, he it's can't, over. he won't survive that. You know, I just can't see how he would. You hired a new coach who made the team, you know, arguably worse, you know, <laughs> and um, I mean, because there's been no growth. Yeah, there's been no growth. Like there's nothing other than those first couple of games. There's no difference. Right. 
Looks I mean, the, the same to me. The special teams are worse. And now, you know, we have Thorne and Marlowe, you know, usually always at the top of the Sharks leaderboard in terms of points are, are now uh, fourth and fifth, respectively. Marlowe fourth, Thornton fifth. Thornton only has 16 points in 29 games. Is he? He's a 50-point player now? He's a six-goal, 50-point player? I really hope not for his trade value. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but they're not helping the situation for sure. I mean, they're, they're not helping. And the, the Sharks are just in there. There's some tough questions, dude. I have some tough questions for you. Okay. All right. Okay. You ready? Got- I, I do have a couple bright spots that I want to get to. I don't want this episode to be 100% gloom How and could, doom. Dude, we've got a six-game losing streak. I know. Dude. But I want to talk about some other stuff that does, that does not show up in the win-loss column. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, go This ahead. team is so bad that Logan Couture's thigh decided to combust and bleed. <laughs> it was like, get me out of here. I'm just going to start bleeding. Yeah. For no reason. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. Okay. Here's a tough question. Okay. You ready? Of the Pacific Division teams, do the Sharks have the bleakest future of all based on their current situation? If you're looking five years ahead, Sharks in the worst position of these teams? Um, I, Where are it's they? It's either in- them or Anaheim are the bleakest, mm-hmm. I think. Because Anaheim's basically gone through the the peak years of gets laugh and Perry, they don't really have a lot of, they have cam Fowler who has certainly not stepped forward to be a, a top defenseman, but they've got Lindholm. They've got Vatnin. They've got two young goalies that are pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, so do we, do we, we have at least one who Martin Jones. You're going to put him in. I guess I mean, so you got one. Okay. Okay. They got two. Yeah, all you really need is one. Sure. You just need one good goalie. Sound like he. Do we have um, two good young defensemen? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I would put us below that. So you're asking questions you already know the answers to. I what know doing. what my answer is. I don't, <laughs> I'm asking for yours. You're not giving me I'm good trying answers. To put a, I'm trying to put a bright spot on this, but you're right. I mean, you look at all these other teams. Edmonton and Calgary are, Calgary are clearly on the upswing. They've both taken steps back this year, but they still have many young players that can still grow into their prime. Vancouver, maybe. Maybe Vancouver. Vancouver's pretty True. bad. Yep. They're pretty bad and and, and old. And the Sedin thing is, you know, clearly not worked out and, and maybe they'll make the playoffs, but they have no more chance of winning the cup really than the Sharks do, in my my opinion. Arizona have a couple young guys, but they may or may not turn out. But they're playing, but they're playing well, now. well, dude. I mean, like, you know, you look at the, they've got Domi, they've got Duclair, yep. they've got Ekman Larson. Yep. Like they they're long term in a way better position than we are. True. And L.A. teeters on the brink of whether they sign Andre Kopitar or not. And if they don't, the franchise could turn one of two ways. But, but of, of course, they're at the top of the Pacific right now. So they're certainly in a better position than the Sharks. Right. They, they, the gap is widening. I mean, they are you know, 11 points ahead of the Sharks right now as the Sharks fall completely out of the playoff picture due to their uh, pathetic losing streak. Yeah. And, and the even scarier part is you look at the sharks are just a point or or two points away from being in last place in the pacific now uh and calgary and edmonton are hard charging i mean they've mm-hmm. won five in a row both of them right so uh sharks better figure it out and figure it out fast okay second question yep how many lives does gw have left does he make it through the year if the sharks continue 
to be middle or below the pack. Make it through the year. This is where maybe I get a little bit more negative because I fear that he has more lives left. That's my fear. Mm-hmm. I fear like the ownership has said, we trust in Doug Wilson, and even if he continues to run this team into a ditch, he's going to be back next year. Reloading, getting the next version of Joel Ward, getting the next version of Paul Martin. You know, Let's go get Andre Markov this time. Let's go get Sergei Zuboff out of retirement. <sighs> Let's find Teppo <laughs> Newman in the in the upper reaches of Finland uh, okay. and bring back Teppo Newman. I'm right. I'm worried about that. Okay, here's my third question. This is the toughest one. Mm. All right, which shark has the best trade value? Who of any shark? I'm not talking about, and and I'm not. I'm talking about any player that you feel like today. That if the sharks went, you know what, we're done. Like mm-hmm. we're done. And this player will get me the most return right now. And I could change the course of this franchise potentially by moving this player today. No question, Joe Pavelski. Okay. No question. He's a 30-goal scorer still, even on this team. He's still a plus player, even though the Sharks are giving up goals and not scoring. He's the captain of the team. He's the best player on the team. He's still... I think he's 30, so he's certainly not in those prime, like 25 to 27 prime years, but he has the most trade value of anything. You you can say Burns because Burns is on track for 60 points as a defenseman, and those don't come along very much, but he is minus 15, and you can't really trust him on the defensive side of the of the puck. So I think a lot of teams would take a second look, but no one would take a second look at adding Joe Pavelski. He just adds positives. It's just a question of what do you have to give up to get him. So let me rephrase this, dude. Because the Sharks will never trade Joe Pavelski because he's right. the face of the franchise. Sure. And Couture is currently hurt. His leg has exploded. Right. Who else? I mean, Couture is the next because I, you can say, because Thorne and Marlowe are seemingly on the decline. And I guess you might say Vlasic, but he, he's been out too. So I would say Vlasic. I think you get more for Vlasic than Couture. So is this going to segue into an argument for trading market toward Vlasic? I'm going to say, dude, that if the Sharks really want to change the course of this franchise and you cannot trade Marlowe and you cannot trade Thornton and you know your season is in the toilet, that you do it. Didn't we just open the show with saying how how terribly fragile the Sharks were on defense and now you want to trade the best defensive defenseman they have? Yes. For what? I mean, is this like the world? So you can fall on the sword. Yes. You're literally falling on the sword then. Yes. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Figuratively. Get as bad as you can. Get as bad as you can. Go to the 76ers route. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yes. See how bad you could be for how long? (laughs) Yes. Dude, let me be clear. I'm not saying we should trade him. I'm saying if things get to a low point. Let's mm-hmm. say the Sharks lose another six in a row. With you look at that road trip, it's could not happen. impossible. Could happen. Right? Yeah. It's not impossible. They could go one in five on this road trip. And then what do you do at that point? You're like almost 40 games into the season. You'll be 35 games into the season. And now you're in last place in the Pacific Division. Like, what do you do? Like, I mean, who, if you, you're just going to keep going the way you're going and, and, and not try to get better because you're handcuffed at a certain point you're handcuffed right and 
And who could you get the best return for? Could you get, you know, a stud young player for Vlasic? Given the Sharks roster right now, I don't know if you can get a stunning young player for anybody. Well, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is if you could if you could get someone in a desperate situation, mm-hmm. you know, where they're looking at Vlas has got a great contract, he's a really good player, you know, do you consider it if you can get back a stud? You mm-hmm. know, just a bona fide young player stud, you know? I don't even have a good example, dude. Right. I'm spitballing. I, losing Vlasic would be devastating. It'd be devastating. He's probably actually the one player that you can't lose. Right. Because your team would be so bad without him. But maybe they need to be so bad. <laughs> I mean, maybe they need to be so bad, dude. Yeah. I think I, I think we're we're certainly, and we talked about this last week, but we, we certainly believe that the Sharks, this Experiment has run its course. It's time to start over and reboot the team with a new core outside of Thorne and Marlowe. Because you can't fire Pete DeBoer. Like, that's not going to happen. You could bury Melrose him. No, there's no way. <laughs> Remember Barry Melrose? What do you play? What do you yeah, coach? 17 not, games not and they fired him? They're not going to do that. Like, they're not going to do that. Like, that's, that's, Doug Wilson will not do that. No. He's not going to do that. Because <laughs> it's just such a, like, uh, oops, I got this wrong too. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> uh, uh-oh. Uh, it so clearly has nothing. I mean, do you think Tom McClellan every day is like, <laughs> wasn't my fault? Wasn't, oh, wasn't yeah. my fault? Well, I don't think anybody ever said the reason why the Sharks didn't go to the next step was because of Tom McClellan. No, but I mean, but he's the one who got the ultimate, took the blame. I mean, ultimately by losing his job. Yeah, but now he's coaching Anaheim and Anaheim actually, I mean, Edmonton and Edmonton has fewer points. So it's not like. For now. For now. Sure. For now, dude. But he has a lot more riding on him because he has so much more talent at his disposal. And yet he's still not winning. I mean, his his leash is going to be short. He's got two seasons to, no. to make the playoffs and do no, well. No, no. With that, that th- roster, th- yes, no, he's They have got two a longer seasons. leash, dude, because that regime together, they're going to give them a chance. Like. They that that team like they've got to try to make some moves on that team in terms of getting better defensively in terms of reshuffling their roster and trying to get a more balanced team. I mean that team is so out of whack. Like see, I disagree. I, I'm not saying they have to win the cup in two years, but they have to make the maybe not this year, but if they need. To make the playoffs next year or the year after at the outside, or but Tom they're McClellan missing Everly, is fired. They're mi- they're missing Connor McDavid, and they're still right, like doing okay. They're they're doing. I mean, they're they're okay. I mean, like, yeah. they, but they they're not good. No, they're not. You know, and that's not McClellan's fault either. But as, no. the, as these young stars start to well, age a little bit, he's got a lot of time, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a couple years. I believe. I, I mean, I really do believe that Chirelli and McClellan they're going to they'll be in the playoffs. In two years, they will, because they're going to have to, or they, they're, or they'll be gone. That's what I'm saying. Chirelli's got the balls, yeah, to trade Jordan Eberle for Travis Hamannick. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. and go. You know what? That is the right thing to do. You mm-hmm. know, because we don't have a number one or a number two. Like, he'll trade two of those guys and turn them into real defensive players. You know? Yeah. Would you trade Vlasic for? Eberle? Um, maybe. Because you think they wouldn't want to do that? They would do that. You could pick up the phone and make that offer, and they would complete the deal in the day. Yeah. If 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 the Sharks wanted to do that. 
you know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't but our make problem, the sharks better. It doesn't make the sharks make better. The sharks right. better. No, like it. It does. It helps one problem. The yeah. fact they can't score. Right. It. But. But it makes their bigger problem even worse. <laughs> right. right. That they can't give up. Maybe they they'll throw stop. in Nikita Nikitin. Yeah. Hooray. They'll throw him in. That with that huge contract. Who wouldn't want that? All right, dude. Lift us up. Dude, lift us up. Dude, even though the Sharks have lost six games, I'm looking at a little bit of stats here, and there are a couple things to be, I wouldn't say elated about or excited about, but there's things to be pleased about. Dude, do you know? Okay, so we've already talked about who is leading the Sharks in scoring, and Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton are number four and five, respectively, in scoring. Can you tell me who is number six in scoring, dude? Pop quiz. I know. I'm. Oh, hello. Um, I'm gonna close my laptop because I had the shark stats up oh. on it, but I didn't look. Okay. Number six in scoring. We'll see. Joel Ward is like number two or something, right? right? Yep. Number six in scoring. It would be Chris Tierney. Nope. Oh, it would be. Uh, I don't know. Tomas Hurdle oh. is number six okay. in scoring in the yeah. Sharks right now. And if we pull up some advanced stats, I know some people were interested about some of those things, and I'm trying to find some positives uh, in the Sharks right now. And if we look at the numbers four and five in Corsi Rell, which is a, a decent advanced metric, which sort of correlates to uh, puck possession, we're looking at Tomas Hurdle at number four, and Eunice Donskoy at number five. And that's not a bad thing. Ahead of Joel Ward and ahead of Logan Couture. But behind Brent Burns. So what does this say in terms of plus minus versus this stat? Like- this is this is five on five. Um, I think one of the problems is that Burns is scoring like crazy on the power play. And so, so when you score like crazy on the power play, you don't get any pluses when right, you do that. But, but this number is high. For yeah. five on five. Yeah, he's doing okay five on five. So, But his plus minus is terrible. His plus minus is terrible. So which one do you believe? He's third on the team in this, but worst in plus minus. Exactly. That's This paints the entire picture of Brent Burns. Which one do you... I don't think you just completely only pay attention to one and completely disregard the other, but it does paint the picture. Maybe Burns isn't quite as bad as the plus minus states, or he is such a shot machine when he's on the ice but yet he can't prevent goals because remember of course he is just it's shot differential so he's taking or he's on the ice for a ton of shots but he's also giving up a ton of shots just he's taking slightly more than he's giving up right you know it's really that but i want to focus a little bit on on hurdle especially because hurdle is not um you know enjoying great line mates and he's sort of jumping around. He's playing third line. He's not necessarily on the top line the way Melker Carlson has been recently. And the guy is still producing well. And so I think this is a, a bit of a bright spot for the Sharks this year. It's hard to find, certainly, in the last stretch. Yeah, but Tomas Hurdle is a bright spot. He's not scoring. He's not turning into a scoring machine the way, of course, we all hope. And he's not on pace for, for blowing anybody out. But the guy is a pretty responsible player right now. And I think we need to acknowledge it. And the same goes for Donskoy. He's been a pretty responsible player. And so I think those two guys, as much as we sort of hate what else is going on here, um, you know, and, and there's plenty of bad spots. I mean, Chris Tierney has a terrible course of relative, and so does, so does Barkley Goudreau. Um, and, and Tommy Wingles is far into the minus column there. But, but you look at 
Herland Donskoy, not so bad. Yeah, I I see the sunny picture you're trying to paint here, dude. But when I look at this webpage and I see that Joe Thornton is at the top of this, and I think we agree he's not he's, he's a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. And here he is sitting at the top of this stat. And I watch a game and I go, God, he's just like not doing anything. But then he's the the best on the team in course you relative. So like when a player who I have a low opinion of in terms of how his season's going is top of the stat, I don't know how much I buy into it. Well, I'm just saying it provides a different perspective. It right, does. On what's going on here. A wrong and, perspective? Well, I mean, Joe Thornton is still a plus player. He, he is. And, and he's still you know, scoring. He's not scoring as much as he has in the past, but he's still a pretty good player. And we're so used to him being just dominating. And he's not dominating this year. There's no question about it that he's not dominating. And so I think everybody is seeing that regression and saying Joe Thornton sucks. Whereas I think that at least the advanced stats metrics say... Yeah, but he's still pretty effective. He's not nearly effective enough to keep the Sharks from losing, right. but really no player is that effective unless right. you're, you know, Dominic Hoshik cir- circa 1997. Yeah. But but really, there are a couple relatively bright spots here on this team. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, every I'd, I wouldn't say anybody is over-delivering this season yet, not even Joe Pavelski. There I would are some feel players that are doing okay. I feel better about like like buying into stuff like that if we were in like the Oilers situation of or course. Calgary situation or Arizona situation where we're like, okay, we're we're just we're looking for progression by some of our young players, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, Donskoy's playing well, and Hurdle's doing well, and you know, they're they're just going to keep getting better, and and that's great, and you know, they're playing. You know, these guys, they're playing like 20 minutes a night or 22 minutes a night. And they're, they're definitely, they're making strides instead of in, in the quicksand, which is where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, Kevin Kurz wrote a, a veteran team on the decline. You know, is mm-hmm. it, it's more evident than ever. Right. And I can't disagree with that. And I don't know. It's frustrating to look forward and go like, what are they going to do about it this year? Nothing. I guess nothing. Right. <laughs> Nothing. We're just going to be maybe a playoff team, but probably not. Like I just, yeah. it, it's so frustrating. It like, is extremely frustrating. I'm just, see, try, I'm trying to bring a little brightness here dude, to, to, to a, a fairly I'm, depressing I'm, week of Sharks. I'm crushing your brightness, dude. I know. I feel no brightness. Like I just don't. I, I don't feel any excitement about this team right now. It's just so frustrating. It is. It's just. I don't understand. Like I don't understand what what they're trying to accomplish. When I say I'm not even putting it all on the players. Like it's organizationally. Like what what's the goal here? Make the playoffs? I guess that's what they're saying the goal is. And like we said last week, Pacific is so bad that they they might they might. Which but would, they're not going to win the cup. Which actually would maybe not be in the Sharks' best interest long term is it no, they they'll be picking in the 18s and 20s again you know, they'll be picking in the 18s and 20s and they probably will not make it anywhere close to the cup finals and here we are again well, same I know. place next year well that's what i'm saying that gets back to my points earlier you know yeah if you trade some core players in order to make the team worse now like then you might be able to make some real strides for the future and when 
you have to realistically look at what they're going to be able to accomplish in the next three years based on the teams that are on the rise. You know, I mean, Dallas is in better position than the Sharks. Chicago is always going to be in better position just based on their core. The window is getting shorter and shorter and it's almost completely shut. (laughs) The window's already closed. You know, well then if it's closed, then move on. I know. Then, then, then move on, sell the house. I know. I buy a new house. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, dude. I think we've we've flogged that dead horse enough. Is there any uh, NHL news that we you would like to discuss? Yeah, dude. dude? You know, I I want to talk about Pittsburgh uh, firing yeah. their coach and promoting Mike Sullivan, former Shark. You know, uh, someone who we've talked about as a potential coach for the Sharks in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's been given the opportunity to try and bring Pittsburgh to life, dude. Which franchise is in worse shape right now? Like in terms of overall feel around the franchise, the sharks or the penguins? Well, I'm certainly not paying attention to the penguins day to day. Uh, and, and since I'm so mired in this, the grand suckitude of the sharks, I'm gonna have to say the sharks are in worse position because at least, I mean, you, you talked, we talked earlier about who has the best trade value. Certainly a player that maybe has one of the highest trade values of anyone in the NHL would be Evgeny Malkin. You could get anything for Evgeny Malkin right now. If, if you want, I mean, you could get a, just a truckload of assets for that guy. The guy has just been awesome this year. And it's clearly not enough because Pittsburgh still blows. But, you know, if you want, if you want to sell everything and sell the house, you're going to get more return for selling off the Penguins right now than you would for selling off the Sharks. Mm-hmm. I think Pittsburgh's in worse shape just because I think they the management over there is so I mean, Jim, Jim Rutherford should be slapped with a dead <laughs> fish in the face for what he's done to, to that team. And I love he's like, I'm going to fire the coach, but it's also my fault because I didn't get you any D. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you didn't. You're right. You know, you completely host them. Like, you, you made moves that were not necessary and not in the best interest of the team, you know, and now they've lost Pascal Dupuis. Right. And like that team with, you know, one, two, three, four NHL star players, if you're counting Chris Letang, you know, kind of in their prime still. Um, and they're not able to figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. that's not good. No, like it's really not good. I think it'd be way more frustrating to be a Penguins fan right now than is for us. Um, because I think maybe for you and I, we've accepted that the window is closed, you know, right for them. I think they still felt like they've got a shot to mm-hmm. be in the mix and it's, it's getting bleaker and bleaker every day. And it's certainly with, you know, bringing Phil Kessel in this year, who's, who is just sort of like a scoring machine in Toronto. And I mean, he's doing okay, but he's certainly not, oh, it's not acceptable. Not, I mean, not great. it's not acceptable. I mean, Nine goals in twenty-eight games when you're playing with Malkin and Crosby, that's that's pathetic. Yeah, you know. I mean, and they're not all on the same line, but yeah, I know. But they're probably all on the. They should be on the same power play unit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. But but that's not good at all. And and they should have they should have brought in a defenseman or two instead of bringing in Phil Kessel. I mean, it really was bonehead management. And I mean, he should be gone. 
I mean, like, yeah, they they really. I mean, Lemieux really screwed that up. Like, they shouldn't have brought him in. You know, period. I mean that that was a bad move. How about uh, how about Steve Stamkos on Twitter liking a tweet about uh, something having to do with um, Toronto, the Maple Leafs. Isn't he from there? I know. So something about it had something it's not like to he... do, dude. It had something to do with Stam. Is an article something about Stamkos's free agency and about how they should make a move to get Stamkos in the offseason. And Stamkos freaking liked it on Twitter, <laughs> and then he went back and unliked it <laughs> and said it was an accidental like. <laughs> and then I love that last year he liked some article on Twitter about how LeBron James left Miami to go play for his hometown team. And would any NHL player ever do that? And he liked that tweet last year. Wow. So if you're Steve Eiserman right now, how tight is your sphincter? Extremely tight? Dude, which would be worse? If he liked a tweet about returning to your hometown team or if he liked a tweet from Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist, which, <laughs> which would be worse? Jeff Dunham. Yeah, that would be worse. <laughs> so I mean, I would be less. I would be less excited if I were a Lightning fan if he liked a Jeff Dunham tweet. Oh, but dude, I'm not. If he liked a tweet about you know, hey, we should burn Tampa Bay to the ground. <laughs> that's one thing. I don't know. I mean, you're gonna have a soft spot in your heart for your hometown team. I, I don't. I'm not gonna blame the guy for it. But yeah, it doesn't make me. It wouldn't be. Make me happy. It's been a distraction for them this year. They've Wouldn't not been that good. That. You know, the team is struggling. And, you know, I... Looks like I'm paying for Vegas again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Well, you've got Montreal. Yeah. You know, uh, in that... And Dallas. And Dallas. I do. Know, so, uh, we'll see. And and you have Chicago, too, don't you? I think I do. Yeah. So, yeah, you're... you're Maybe I'm not a complete too. idiot. No, I still have the Capitals, dude. I I like the Capitals. I know you don't, which nope. makes me feel even more confident. About it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you don't like the Capitals. I mean, is that really what you think is is keeping the Lightning from playing up to their? I don't know. I just think. I mean, well, if Stamkos is just sitting in the locker room on Twitter all day, yeah, liking things about Toronto. <laughs> You're right. That'd be weird. I love this Julia Child recipe yeah. and. I love the thought of me going back to Toronto. Yeah. Um, I think you should be a little nervous about my Washington Capitals pick, dude. I mean, they're just studs at home. Their goal differential is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I also have the Rangers, you know, Mm -hmm. but you have uh, Montreal and uh, you also have Dallas. I have the Islanders. And uh, I I think you also have the Kings. So I do, I think. you have three of the four division winners, dude, but we'll see. All right, dude. Well, I guess... So, dude, is is just purely... What's getting back on the horse? What's a, is Are winning any of the next few games considered to be a victory here for the Sharks? I mean, not obviously a victory in the literal sense, but, uh, you know, a moral victory. We have Montreal, um, five Toronto. points. Five points on this trip. Five. If they can get five... Then you could maybe look at this and go, okay, well, I mean, Montreal, Ottawa, Chicago, and LA, if you figure they can go one, two, and one through that, like yeah. that's coming out, and then you got to get the win in Toronto. 
So five out of ten points, but still, I mean, even so. Or like, the shark? Could the sharks just return to their road winning ways? No, <laughs> not <laughs> not against, not against these teams. teams. No, maybe I not. just don't. I don't think so. I mean. And Toronto just smells like a trap game. Like that's just a trap game right there. You know, right in the mid, right at the beginning of the trip. Yep. I just, mm, well, I don't may- know. Maybe, maybe it, we might have to wait till after Christmas because if we look after Christmas, we have Colorado at home, Philly at home, Winnipeg at home, Detroit at home, Toronto at home. All those are winnable games. Toronto's the best. So team. you're you're saying the Sharks play well at home? <laughs> oh wait, you're right. Hmm. Have they what lost I- like twenty out of? <laughs> 28 or something. What was I thinking? No, I, I don't know. It's just those are not very good it's teams. It's bleak. This is so, it's so freaking bleak. I yeah. feel like I'm having a blizzard of despair. I know. It's sad, dude. It makes me angry. Yeah. I was in a in an elevator today and I was wearing my Sharks jersey and this lady like walked into the elevator and she just looked at me and started shaking her head and put her head down. <laughs> like, like I said, I said, I know. And she said, they're not playing good. I was at a watering hole last night and I was talking to some Sharks fans who may be listening to this podcast right now for the first time, which would be pretty funny. And we just basically had a loud and uh, disparaging filled conversation about the Sharks. Like <laughs> it was like nothing positive to be said about anything. No, just- I don't know how you can be. And you know what? If Listeners, if you want to take us to task for being too negative, go ahead. But if you have something positive to say about the sharks please share it yeah tweet it at us uh send it to questions at dudesonhockey.com we happy to uh to shoot it down as being negative because <laughs> <laughs> there's just right now in this moment there's nothing good to say i'd about love anything. a counterpoint i tried to provide one and then you shot me down earlier sorry dude like i i can't i can't say yay tomas hurdle has 13 points you know and is improving slightly you know as a not a scoring, but very responsible player. <laughs> Eunice Donskoy's mustache is really great on the forecheck or whatever. Uh, like, yeah. he's got like eight points or whatever. Like, it just can't, I can't get excited about that. Yeah. Like, it's not saying those guys aren't going to be good players or useful players, but like, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Like, Hurdle is supposed to be part of the, part of the solution, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, on the stat sheet. I know that seems like there was a bit of mirage, like from from two seasons ago. Yeah. Like, where's that guy? Yeah. What happened to that guy? I don't know. I don't know. Dude, Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get another podcast in before Christmas, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, I'll talk to you next (laughs) week. Bye. show want to get your questions on the air email questions at dudesonhockey.com dudes on hockey is not affiliated with the san jose sharks organization or the national hockey league